We're grateful for our mothers this morning. We're great. I'm just we're grateful for our mothers all the time. They do they work. They sacrifice. They are good. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Verses 8 through 10, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, prophecy, and to another distinguishing between spirits. And then this morning we're going to talk about these last two, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Then over in 1 Corinthians 14, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in, t- in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. And God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Um, In the late, uh, mid-1970s, I went to a uh, Young Life camp, and I heard that I grew up, I had grown up in church, but I heard the gospel in a way that I could understand and made sense to me, and two weeks after that camp, I gave my life to Christ. I had three sisters, and, and, uh, and I started witnessing, especially to my two little sisters. And one of my little sisters, she was trouble with a capital T. Um, she is now, uh, she's now sanctified trouble with a capital T. Um, but uh, she was trouble with a capital T, and she was in trouble, and, and uh, life was, uh, you know, she was, she, was the, she was the kid in our family who was uh, getting in the most trouble and living life on the edge. And I would pray for her, and I would witness to her and share with her. And uh, she had a boyfriend who was trouble, and she broke up with her boyfriend, and she met this other guy. She called him Tiger. That was his nickname. Um, uh, we call him now Barry. And she met, uh, she met Barry, and Barry, Barry, uh, Barry was a Christian. But Barry was not my kind of Christian. Barry wore fancy clothes, and he went to a church where everybody wore fancy clothes. You see, I, got, I, got, I came to the Lord through people who were uh, Jesus movement hippies. All right, When the Bible said, be like Jesus, they thought it meant dress like Jesus, and look, they had sandals, long hair, beards, played the guitar, sung, sang kumbaya. Uh, but Barry went to one of those churches where everybody dressed up in a suit, and the ladies had big hair. And the pastor had a three-piece suit, and he said God in multiple syllables. Uh, and when God came into the house, the ladies would start dancing and moving around and raising their hands. And then, and then of all things, they would speak in tongues. And uh, I had to admit that under the influence of this slick Pentecostal, my sister, who was trouble with a capital T, got better. And they would come to prayer meetings at our house. They would have prayer meetings at our house. And they didn't pray, pray the way me and my Young Life friends prayed. Me and my Young Life friends prayed respectable evangelical prayers. You take turns. You hold hands in a circle. And everybody has to say just 32 times in the prayer. Lord, we just love you. We just welcome you here. 
we just want to thank you. You're just so good. And, uh, and after you say just 32 times, you pass the prayer to the right, and the next person prays the just prayer. Well, these other people would come into my house, and they'd say, let's pray. And so we'd get in a circle, and we'd, we'd start the right way. We would gather and hold hands. And then I would start, Lord, we just, and before I could get another word out of my mouth, it's like, what's going on here? They're all over each other in tongues and all that, and just, what's going on? And that was during the time where that was going on, not only where, where there was a merging that was taking place in the, in the history of the Western church, the charismatic movement had brought spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues into the mainline churches. And oh my goodness, when Aunt Susie, the good, respectable Presbyterian, began speaking in tongues, call 911. Churches would split... The uh, uh, Dennis Bennett, who is the father of the charismatic movement, uh, really, really uh, launched up here in the Pacific Northwest at St. Luke's Church in Ballard. But when he was down in uh, Pasadena, pastoring a large Episcopal church, and they found out that he spoke in tongues, uh, a fight broke out in the parking lot. And uh, and after he preached that he and and confessed to this terrible thing that he spoke in tongues, the next day he had to resign. It is not as divisive as it was today as it was then. Uh, I have come to uh, both respect and honor uh, Barry and Colleen's experiences, uh, as well as, I think, seen some helpful correctives to uh, the theology and practice that was there. And so this morning I want to speak about the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, speaking in tongues is simply this. It is Spirit-inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired speech in a language that the speaker does not know, has never studied or learned, and most likely does not understand. It is something that Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, those who believe in me will speak in new tongues. It happened in Acts three times. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. They spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 10, they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues. Paul Paul addresses speaking in tongues uh, in 1 Corinthians 14. He also talks about the phrase, he uses the phrase in 1 Corinthians 14 of praying in the Spirit, which at least in 1 Corinthians 14 is a reference to speaking in tongues. And so we can assume that when he speaks in uh, Ephesians 6.18 to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, it at least, at least is a good, a good biblical guess. He's talking about uh, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. And when Jude says, pray in the Spirit and build yourself up in the most holy faith, that also uh, looks like that is a, a reference to praying or speaking in tongues. And so uh, it, it, is, it is a prayer language. It is a language of exhortation. It can be used prophetically. It can be used to speak to people. It can be a known language, as it was in Acts chapter 2. Or if it wasn't a known language in Acts chapter 2, then it was a miracle of hearing, because people heard and understood what they were saying in their own language. But it simply is spirit-inspired speech in a language that you don't understand. It does not have to be an earthly language. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, there can be a heavenly language or heavenly languages. How, how are we to know that there won't be heavenly languages? And so it's just a language that you don't know, and it's spirit-inspired. Uh, we've talked about this before at the Firehouse Church, but this is, a, this is one of the places where 
Um, though I, uh, I fully embrace Pentecostal and charismatic experience, one of the places where I, where I break theologically is I don't think tongues is the definitive sign of being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. I do think in, in, in the book of Acts, there are six or seven instances where it talks about being filled, baptized, overflowed with the Holy Spirit. And as I read those instances, I find that many things manifest. I do agree with my Pentecostal and charismatic brothers and sisters that when you're born again, there's still more. There's still more. It is not always, you don't always get or unwrap at least the whole package at your conversion. However, I think once you speak in tongues, and as many people like to say, I was filled, I got the Holy Ghost, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I spoke in tongues. Once you speak in tongues, guess what? There's still more. Uh, I've, I've used this quote before, but I like what uh, Eleanor Mumford said when somebody asked her about her prayer language. And they said, Sister, when did you receive the second blessing? She said, between the first and the third. <laughs> and so I value speaking in tongues. I think it is a great gift. Um, I think it is marvelous. I agree with St. Paul when St. Paul says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. And he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I don't know if I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I speak in tongues a lot. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful gift. I just don't think it is, I don't think it was given as a sign. I think it was given as a gift to be used. And part of the problem, when we interpret tongues as a sign, then we get into the haves and the have-nots in the body of Christ. And, and Paul is, this is actually the situation that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians were using tongues as a means of spiritual pride. I speak in tongues. Therefore, I'm holier, I'm more advanced, I'm more mature, uh, I'm more favored, I'm more blessed than you if you don't. And Paul said, no, you're missing the point of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts aren't about how favored and blessed you are. Spiritual gifts are about God blessing his church through you. And yes, there's a lot of favor in that. There's a lot of blessing in that. And guess what? We all get to play. We all get to play. And there's a variety of gifts then that are used in that. There's, there's, there's prophecy. There's, uh, oh, there you go, slide on behind. Happy Mother's Day. There's prophecy. There's tongues. There's just, you know, we've just talked about the variety of gifts. And we look in the book of Acts, and when the Holy Spirit is poured out, People are released in praise. People speak in tongues. People prophesy. Uh, there are physical signs. There's fire from heaven. There's wind blowing in rooms. People get boldness. Signs and wonders happen. There's just a variety of things as the Holy Spirit is poured out on his church. Dear ones, always be asking God for more. Amen. Always. Listen, have you healed every sick person you've encountered? Do you bat a thousand when it comes to praying for the sick? Then ask God for more. Do you, are, do you, do you prophesy 100% accurately 100% of the time in every situation? If not, then ask God for more and better and refinement. Always be going after God. And never, dear ones, let's get over comparing. In both instances, it's damaging. We can compare to see how superior we are to others, and that creates the deadly disease of spiritual pride. Or we can compare 
to see how inferior we are to others, and that creates the deadly disease of discouragement. Why not simply let God be God, and you be you, and run after gifts, and use the ones he gives you, and delight in that? The Bible says, earnestly desire, what? Spiritual gifts. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. <clears throat> Especially that you might prophesy. But it's, it's interesting, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is distinguishing between prophecy and tongues. And in the corporate gathering, he definitely elevates prophecy. He says prophecy is much more valuable than tongues in the corporate gathering. Why? When a person speaks in tongues, nobody understands. When somebody prophesies, helps us all, or at least helps the person being prophesied to. Having said that, though, he says tongues has great value. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I wish you all would speak in tongues. Tongues edifies the self. When I, he says, when I pray, I pray with my mind, i.e., in his language, Greek or Aramaic, Hebrew, and I pray in the Spirit. I.e. tongues. I sing with my mind, I sing in the spirit. I.e. tongues. And so it is a great gift. It is to be taught, it is to be sought, it is to be sought and uh, gone after. It's just not to be sought and gone after as a sign of my spirituality. Alright? It's just helpful. How many of you want helpful things? One of the things I love about my wife, my wife excels at being helpful. She's like, you know, mishelpful. She is. She's like, how can I help? How can I help? It's like, it's, it's a wonderful trait. I'm Mr. Um, the main thing. thing, the main thing. The main, thank you, Dan. You saved me there. All right. What are tongues used for? Self-edification. Building yourself up spiritually. Paul says, when a man prays in tongues, he edifies himself. The opponents to speaking in tongues say that that's selfish. No, it's not. That is still for the body of Christ. All right, um, I'm a fan of football. They just had the uh, NFL draft. And uh, it used to be in the NFL draft, they would just be the draft quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers. Not anymore. Only seven quarterbacks were taken in the draft this year. It's lowest ever in the modern draft era. You know who football teams draft now? Offensive linemen. The big, burly boys. The big men. Because football teams realize that football games are won and lost on the line of scrimmage. They're won and lost by that battle between the seven guys up front on offense and the seven guys, the, offensive, the defensive linemen and the linebackers up front on defense. Now, when I played football, I was a quarterback. Because the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what quarterbacks do. And so... Uh, but when I was a quarterback, if somebody would have told me, you know, Kevin, you want a bunch of not built up, weak, spindly, thin as a toothpick, wussy little offensive lineman, what would I have said? No. I want big, burly, gnarly, weightlifting. I want guys who spend all day in the gym doing what? Building themselves up. All right? Building themselves up. Why? Because it's good for the team. It's good for the team. 
to have a quarterback who's not on his back because his offensive lineman can't block. It helps the team, dear ones. As a pastor of a local church, I want you all built up. I want you all mature. I want you all strong. I want you all passionate and serving the Lord with everything you've got. Listen, I, I, I don't want a church full of casualties that the devil's always beating up and winning. I used to have a sign in my office. This is not very compassionate, I guess, for pastors, but I had this sign in my office, and it, it had the red circle, you know, the white sign with the red circle and the red line going through it, and the word was whiners. No whiners. You know, people come into me, Pastor, what? No, I thought it was nicer than that. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Why do, you read, why, do you, why do you do private devotions? And if you don't, you should. Why do you read your Bible every day? To build yourself up in the word of God. Why do you say your prayers every day? To build yourself up in the word of God. Why do you worship God? At least part of it is to build yourself up uh, in the corporate expression of love and worship for God. We're always building ourselves up, and we're building ourselves up so that we might be more effective for the service of God and others. And so build yourself up by praying in tongues. It is a language of worship and praise. Those I know who speak in tongues will say, you know, sometimes you just run out of words, right? Uh, I praise you, God. I love you, God. You're awesome, God. You're great, God. Y yay, God. Whoopee, God. And pretty soon, you just run out of words. And so it becomes a language of worship and praise and adoration. It becomes a language of groaning. First, uh, Romans 8 talks about the spirit groans uh, it, with our, uh, to, to, to God with inexpressible groans. And I believe that one of those ways those groans are expressed is through tongues. Sometimes uh, the pain that people deal with in this life, the ache in me for them is so deep. I call it OPP, other people's pain. You know, and the ache is deep. You, you, you know, uh, when, when somebody I love and a, and a family member kills themselves, commits suicide, it's like, ah. Or a child, or just, just the grief of life. And, and there's just sometimes I'm praying to God, and I'm praying, I'm interceding for people who are hurting and with legitimate stuff, and, and life has really hit them, and it's like, ah. And, and how do I express that? Ah. Oh. And God can release that in a language that has deeper meaning than words that I can come up with in my head. Does that make sense? And so there's intercession. There's standing in the gap that comes from tongues. Um, spiritual warfare. As a young Christian, as a young pastor... I went over to a young man's house who was completely freaking out. The, the, <coughs> the family called the senior pastor. He took me with him. And it was a scary situation. This young man and his friend had been reading the Satanic Bible together. Studying the Satanic Bible. Uh, this young man's friend had a girlfriend. And this young man slept with his best friend's girlfriend. When his best friend found out about it, to get back at his girlfriend and his best friend, he killed himself. And now this young man was cracking. And he was just, he was going off the charts. What made it scary was not only was this guy just kind of going crazy and talking crazy and talking evil, 
He had a, his pet was a big German shepherd that was also going crazy. And uh, they had the German shepherd in the bathroom door. And, and as I'm hearing this dog bark and snarl and scratch at the door, and this guy is just going off and, going, and just talking nuts, and the senior pastor leaves me alone with him to go call the paddy wagon to come take him to the, to the home. And, and, uh, and I am just very silently, under my breath, as this guy's talking, very silently I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, this guy stops talking crazy, looks at me, and with clear lucidity, says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're praying in tongues, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And he says, you need to stop that. Now, here's my counsel to you. When the devil tells you to stop doing something, don't. Don't obey the devil. And so I just kept praying in tongues, and, and I, I, I don't even know what happened in that, the rest of that situation. But I knew that in that kind of intense warfare, I had a resource. I have found, how many, how many times have you been praying in a, in a group of people and your mind wanders? Has that ever happened to anybody here? Okay, you know what that means, right? It means you're truly not sanctified or saved. That's what that means. No. No. Here's what that means. That means you're normal happens to everybody. But here's what I found. When I'm praying in a group, and if I'm just quietly kind of under my breath praying in my prayer language, I stay on track much better than if I'm trying to follow them in English. It's just a great gift. It's a great gift. Finally, there's, a, there's, a, there's another use for the gift I don't mention here, and that is intimidating your children. Joseph Garlington talks about a single mom in his, in his church who couldn't get her, her son to come to church. And he would just, she would say, you need to come to church with me. And he'd give her, you know, lip all the time. No, I'm not going to come to church with you. I don't want to come to church with you. You know, church is stupid, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, she was, of, she was of the mindset. And here was my mindset raising our kids. We never had an issue with our kids. They always wanted to go to church. But, but my mindset is, you're, if you're living under my roof and I'm paying for you, you're going to church. Wine as you might, you're going to church. When you... If you don't want to go to church, go pay rent, live somewhere else. It's fine by me. But we never had that battle with our kids. But this mom was having this battle with her kid. So he's like, I wouldn't come to church. Joseph Garner says, next time he says, don't come to church, just break out all over him in your prayer language. She goes, what? He goes, yeah, just, just, just start speaking tongues over him. So sure enough, the next Sunday, the next Saturday night, Mom says, I want you to go to church with me tomorrow morning. He goes, no. She goes, and he looks at her and goes, you want me to wear a tie? <laughs> so you can intimidate your children. All right, next slide. That is the next slide. Good. You're, man, you're good today. What is the proper use of tongues in corporate worship? I think Paul is very clear about this in 1 Corinthians 14, that only with interpretation. That we're not in corporate worship, especially where there's the, there's the possibility that unbelievers or people not, who aren't used to speaking in tongues are there, that we shouldn't just be speaking out in tongues. He says it freaks people out. Anybody ever have that experience before you spoke in tongues or hung out with tongue talkers where you heard people speaking in tongues and it freaked you out? It's like, that's crazy, all right? And so, so we don't want to do that. We don't want you know, to just scare people off. And, I, and I've, I've made this mistake. I, I was in a I, it wasn't a corporate worship, well, it was a corporate worship setting, and afterwards it was a prayer time, and a young man came up to me for prayer. And oftentimes when I don't know how to pray for somebody, they'll, they'll share with me a problem, 
and I'm kind of thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want to do here? If I don't know, oftentimes I'll just begin to pray in tongues. And then usually, something you know, will come to mind. I'll go, oh, do this, pray this way. And so this guy came up to me, and I, I really didn't know what to do, and so I started praying in tongues. Well, I didn't know. I thought it was just a, I thought people there were kind of cool with that, but he wasn't. And fortunately, this young man was mature. He came to me and said, that kind of freaked me out, guy. And so I was able to explain. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And I apologized to him. And from that time forward, uh, if ever I'm praying for somebody and I get the unction to speak in tongues over them before I pray in English, I ask permission. I just say, would you mind if I spoke in tongues over you? Would you mind? Because, you see, that's, that's love. That's taking into account the other person's feelings and emotions. And, for, and, and to be in love and corporate worship, listen, we don't want to do things that are just going to scare people. Now, having said that, I do not think, that, and I think that's Paul's purpose here. It, it only edifies you, and in the corporate setting, we're after the edification of everybody here. Having said that, I don't think it's wrong during the worship to gently, quietly, you know, if the Lord leads you, just to be praying in that way. You're not doing it out loud. You're not doing it, you know, you just, it's part of your, it's part of your pro- worship to God. And I think that's fine. I also think in exclusively Christian settings, where we, where we really aren't anticipating unbelievers' prayer, like those Pentecostals who prayed in tongues at my house, I think they could have been more sensitive to the fact that, hey, maybe this guy doesn't know what's going on. But I don't think they were violating Paul's principle because it was a believers-only meeting. There weren't unbelievers there. And uh, their, their Pentecostal belief or understanding was, well, everybody speaks in tongues anyway, so we're not freaking anybody out. They didn't know they were freaking me out. But it's good to check. It's good to check. People, we, listen... There is an offense to the gospel, but we don't want to give unnecessary offense, all right? There's an offense to the gospel. People, people, there is, and I think we shouldn't shy away from that offense. Jesus is the only way to the Father. You must be born again. There's an offense. People are challenged to step over a line, and even when you're a Christian, you need to get offended once in a while. Sorry, you do, Sawyer. You need to get offended once in a while. You need, to, you need to have a line drawn in the sand and step over it. You need to be challenged and offended. But we shouldn't give unnecessary offense. We started praying people at Living Hope, and people started falling, and people got offended. They told us to quit. No. I'm not going to quit praying for people. Well, quit making them fall. We're not making them fall. They're just falling on their own. They do that all by themselves. We don't make it happen. But uh, my daughter, one time, I came down the stairs, and uh, she said, Dad, you have your Holy Spirit lisp. I said, my Holy Spirit lisp? She says, yeah, when you pray for people, you have a lisp. And I realized I just put a mint in my mouth. And so I realized that oftentimes when I prayed for people at church, I would pop a mint in my mouth. Why? Don't want to give unnecessary offense. If they're going to fall, I want them to fall for the right reason, not because I had garlic bread the night before. No problem. So, in corporate worship, only with interpretation. You can quietly pray in your prayer language. That's permissible. And I think in believer-only settings, I think speaking and singing in tongues is entirely permissible. Because that doesn't violate the principle that Paul's after. We're not scaring anybody or offending anybody. All right.
Here's another one. Can everyone speak in tongues? Probably. Here's the deal. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, does everyone speak in... Rhetorically, he says, does everyone speak in tongues? And then later, he just kind of says that. Some, some have this gift, some have this gift. Some, not everyone does this, not everyone does this, not everyone does this. And so that would seem to answer the question that tongues are for some and not for others. But I don't think it does. Because I think in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about the specifics of a, of, a, of a meeting. In other words, does everyone prophesy at this meeting? Does everyone speak in tongues at this meeting? Does everyone heal at this meeting? Does every, and no, there's an, orderly, there's an orderly administration of the gifts in the meeting. And also, does everyone speak in tongues out loud at corporate gatherings? In our church, that's very rare. I don't, I don't, I don't remember more than a time or two where somebody has spoken out loud in tongues and there been an interpretation. And so I think he's talking about that gift in the corporate setting in 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 14, it seems like when he says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, I speak in tongues more than all of you, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. When a person speaks in tongues, they speak mysteries to God and edifies themselves. It seems to me he's talking about something that, 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 that I think could be accessible to everyone. Almost everyone I know who has sought the gift of a spiritual language has received it. And so I, the reason I say probably is I don't want to make people feel bad. Is it, well, pastor, I prayed for tongues and I never got it. And, uh, and I don't want to get into the haves and have-nots and the superior Christians and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So fine. Uh, you're not less than if you haven't spoken in tongues. Uh, I know one lady doesn't speak in tongues but op operates in, 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 you know, the... the Pentecostal charismatic, well, she's not filled or baptized with the Spirit. Well, she prophesies. Best I know, Billy Graham doesn't speak in tongues. He evangelizes, does it well. Did it well for years. All right? And so, but I think if you want, if you, and who doesn't want to, you know, who doesn't want a better prayer life? Who wouldn't like a better prayer life? Well, earnestly desire speaking in tongues. I know why I speak in tongues, because I needed a better prayer life. It wasn't because I was spiritually elite. It was because I was spiritually deplete. God called my guardian angel over. Said, Mordecai, come here. Look at, look at Kevin. Mordecai says, yeah, he's having trouble. God says, yeah, that boy can't pray a lick. He's a left-brain rationalist. If he can't figure it out in his head, he can't, he's not going to do it. We gotta help that boy. Well, what do you do? What should we do, God? I know. We'll get uh, we'll get one of his friends in Young Life to take him over to these Pentecostals' house. They'll set him straight. And I went over to these Pentecostals' house, and they they gave me a list of things I had to rebuke to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I already know I had the Holy Spirit, and the things that they told me I had to rebuke, I didn't think I had to rebuke. So I didn't even obey their rules. But they didn't, ask, they didn't stop to ask me whether I'd obeyed them or not. They just laid hands on me. And they were on me like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat. Just, you know, good old Pentecostals. And they said, keep praising Jesus till it comes out something else, something, some other language. So well, I can do that. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, for about three, four minutes. Nobody hit my throat. Prime the pump, you know. Nobody told me to say, she's coming to church on a Honda. Come on, I want to tie my bow tie. Nobody did that. Nobody said, say banana backwards, you know. Just, just keep praising Jesus. I don't know. 
But if you say banana backwards and you say the city of Olala seven times, you will start speaking in tongues. No, it doesn't work that way. I mean, I suppose it can. God can do whatever he wants. But pretty soon, I was praising Jesus, and pretty soon it was just coming out in a whole other language. And for 24 hours, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop talking for 24 hours. Last time that happened, I was three years old. And so, here's, here is one of my experiences, though. Oftentimes, people who, who have trouble praying in a prayer language, oftentimes, uh, they're kind of people who, who are very responsible and I, I wouldn't call them, I'm not going to use the t term control freaks, but people who kind of like being in control, sometimes that's, that can be a block. To, to, because, because really to give up your tongue is giving up a lot of control. And here's the other thing. There's a misnomer about speaking in tongues. We think if we pray, pray for the language of speaking in tongues, God's just going to overwhelm us and we're going to speak in tongues. No, you have to give it breath. My friend Ed Rappenchuk says to speak in tongues, you have to speak in tongues. And I take his meaning. You actually have to speak in tongues. You have to do it. Now, you'll know if you're making it up. If you say, Lord, I want to speak in tongues, and you start going supercalifragilistic, expialidocious, you're not speaking in tongues. You'll know. And, and it'll just begin to flow. And uh, if you desire, here's, I want, here's what I want to say. If you desire a greater uh, self-edification, a greater tool of intercession and spiritual warfare and a way to freak out your kids, then pray for spiritual language to speak in tongues. Pray to speak in tongues. And, and, and then let God give you that gift. Sometimes it happens. Here's one of my experiences. Sometimes we'll, we'll, have, we'll pray for it in church. And somebody will just, they won't do it in church because it's just, you know, three people are looking at you. Did you get it yet? Did you get it? It's kind of, it's hard. But oftentimes later they'll say, you know, Pastor, driving home in my car. Or uh, taking a shower later that night, you know, all of a sudden, this, it just emerged and came. And so, it's a nat it, God, just, God, God will do it in his way. So, what is interpretation of tongues? It functions as prophecy. It functions as revelation. What it is, is someone speaks in tongues, and someone has an interpretation that is then a what? Edifying to the body, or part of the body, with the word of God. Why does God just prophesy in the language? Why does he do it through tongues? I don't know. Usually he doesn't, in my experience. Usually he just does it in the known language. But can he do it the other way? Yeah, he's God. Get this in your head. He makes the rules. He's in charge. It's his way. And he does things different than we would. He's full of surprises. And so God can speak in a tongue through Adam and give Glenn an interpretation. God can speak in a tongue through Sandy and then give Sandy the interpretation. God can speak in a tongue through Pamela and nobody speak out an interpretation, yet it have significant meaning to Yvette. And that's an interpretation, by the way. If one person understands what the tongue was said and it edifies that other person in the body, what is that? That's tongue with interpretations. One of our misnomers is if somebody speaks in tongue, there has to be a public interpretation. My friend, my friend Ray, uh, his parents were immigrants from China, and so he was bilingual growing up. He knew English, and he knew, uh, I forget if it was uh, 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 
what are the two, Mandarin and Cantonese? Yeah, which are the two dialects he spoke. But a, a man woke, uh, and he was really questioning, he was, at a, he was at a charismatic church, he was really questioning the validity of some of the stuff that was going on. And so he prayed, he just kind of was like, God, is this real? And a man stood up, and in perfect, I think it was Cantonese, in perfect Cantonese said, you know, I'm the Lord and this is real. Something like that. And so Ray, you know, was blown away by that. After the service, he went up to the guy and said, where did you learn to speak Cantonese? And the guy said, oh, is that what I was speaking? That's tongues and interpretation. Uh, another one, a, a man was doing a deliverance in spiritual warfare, and he was struggling, and he, and he spoke in tongues, and somebody over on the side laughed. And he was kind of offended. And so after, after the prayer session was over, he went over to the guy who laughed, and he said, you know, that was a serious moment, and you're over there laughing. I'm trying to cast a demon out of somebody. And the guy goes, I know, I know, I'm so sorry. But he says, I speak French. And when you began to break out in tongues... You were speaking in French, and you told the devil that he was an egg, and you were going to break him. It's tongues with interpretation. Uh, if you ever read, the best book I ever read on speaking in tongues is Jack Hayford, The Beauty of Spiritual Language. And he talks about an incident where he's with an unbeliever on a plane. And in this case, tongues was used evangelistically. Uh, God spoke to Hayford and said, speak to this man in tongues. And Hayford said, that's crazy, you know, I, they have this conversation. God just speaks to this man. So Hayford finally says, um, and, and this man, by the way, this man was a, um, he was a scholar who had studied ancient Native American languages. And Hayford broached the subject. And he said, you know a little bit about language. He says, I have a language that I pray in, and I'd, I'd like to just share it with you and see what you think. And Hayford began to pray in tongues, but God gave him a complete new tongue that he never experienced before. And the man's face kind of lit up. And he said, what? He said, well, you were speaking an ancient dialect of Cherokee. And, you were, and in that ancient dialect of Cherokee, you were talking about how great God is. Hayford, he doesn't say in the book that the man became a believer on the plane. Doesn't know what happened to the man, but he just said it was a pretty extraordinary encounter of tongues with what? Interpretation. Oftentimes, somebody will stand up in a church and say, I have a tongue, and if you have a tongue, pray, God, is there an interpretation? And if God says yes, then you can kind of look at me and say, Pastor, I have a tongue, and I believe there's an interpretation, and I'll say, go for it. Chances are. And then we'll wait for the interpretation. And by the way, the person who, it doesn't have to be somebody else. It can be the person who gives the tongue. Paul says that. If you speak in tongue, pray to interpret also. Uh, we had a man do that at the last church I served. He got up and spoke in tongues, and then he gave the interpretation. And people are so quickly looking for something to get offended by. I had people say, no, no, that's not biblical. Somebody else has to give the interpretation. Because in their English translation, it said, let one speak in tongues, let another interpret. But I went back. I did it. I went back and looked at my Greek books. It doesn't say, let another. That was an English translation. It says, let, let one speak in tongues, let one interpret. Doesn't say it can't be the same one. But people, have you noticed that people are so quick to look for offense? Oh, you did it wrong. It can't be from God. But dear ones, tongues is a great gift. And I agree with St. Paul, which I found is a good thing to do. I wish that you all spoke in tongues. And I don't know if I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I bet I come close. Because it is such a great gift. Because I need it. Because, man, I struggle to pray. I'm not like these people. They come to me. You intercessors. 
Oh, pastor, I just love to get into my prayer closet, and three hours seems like a minute to me. When I try to pray three hours, it seems like two days to me. Eight minutes, my mind is wandering. I've prayed for my kids. I've prayed for the church. I've, you know, where do I go from here? Pray for the nation. Okay, God bless America. Got that covered. Pray for the world. God bless the world. I'm done. You know? Mordecai's up there. He needs help, God. I know. I know. Let's give him a language. Let's get his head out of the way. Listen, your head's, my head's a good thing. But it's a bad leader. It's a good learner. And so let God lead your prayer life with the gift of tongues. If you, would like the gift, if you haven't prayed in tongues and you'd like to pray in tongues, uh, we can pray for you this morning that that gift would be released in you. And, and I would say keep seeking until you do. Just keep seeking until you do. And uh, if you have any other need this morning, body, spirit, need to be encouraged, need healing in the body, then just come forward and we'll pray for you. I would like to ask that uh, some of you would stick around and help us break down uh, so uh, we can beat the Baptist to, to lunch on Mother's Day. It's one thing about the 10 o'clock service over the 11 o'clock service. We get, to, we, get to, uh, we get to the buffet before the Baptist, so that's good. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in that shalom to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen.